to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Jevonstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. Our guest today is Chris Peterman. Chris is the Director of Motorcycles for CF Moto USA, which manufactures and sells motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. CF Moto sold motorcycles in the U.S. from 2012 to 2016, and in 2017, it established a partnership with KTM. For the 2022 model year, CF Moto has introduced a seven-model lineup of motorcycles to the U.S., the lineup ranges from the 126cc Papio minibike to the 700 CLX Street Scrambler and 700 CLX Sport. We had a chance to test ride all seven bikes the week before this interview was recorded. We talked to Chris about the history of the CF Moto brand, review the details and pricing of each model, and share our riding impressions. Stick around for another great episode. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Good to see you. Likewise. Well, this is the first week of July. Last week, we were both in Minneapolis. I know you live in Utah and I live in Southern California, but we were both in Minneapolis, which is where CF Moto's U.S. headquarters is, and got a chance to ride the full lineup of 2022 CF Moto motorcycles. So some of our listeners and readers may not be as familiar with the CF Moto brand. I know that CF Moto had bikes in the U.S., sold a couple of bikes back in like 2012 to 2016. Then there was a hiatus. You guys also have off-road product. Give us a little bit of a background on the CF Moto company and brand. Yeah, Greg. So thank you. So CF Moto, we started in the U.S. in 1989 and started kind of as a distributor for scooters. So back then, scooters, you know, were kind of a big thing and, you know, ATVs and four-wheelers were kind of taking off, but a little bit different animal back then. So that's where the company started, you know, kind of had some moderate success over the years, but then kind of re-engaged with four-wheel products. So Four-wheel ATV, UTV businesses, as you know, most people know in the U.S. is very, very popular, become very popular over the last 15, 20 years. You know, that's kind of been a kind of a mainstay of the power sports business. So, um, you know, CF Moto kind of pushed back into that space. Um, and over the last, you know, let's say 10 years, um, you know, they've really started to build up the dealer network in the U.S. Uh, it was kind of an unknown commodity there for a while. But, you know, the guys at the company have worked very hard to push the brand, push the quality and the dealer dealers now in the U.S. are starting to understand kind of where that kind of lies at. And, you know, during the pandemic, obviously supply chain issues have become an issue. So everybody's been struggling. Uh, CF Moto kind of did a little bit better, I think, in that aspect than a lot of other OEMs did. So we were able to, you know, become kind of top of dealer's mind. And going on in the background, at the same time, we were working on motorcycles. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that we did launch a few models, you know, back eight years ago. And kind of the decision was made to kind of stop right there. And there was very limited success. I think a lot of it with, as you know, and the listeners know, everybody in the in the U.S. motorcycle market, it's a finicky market. You know, there's a lot of strong players in there, but there's also a lot of ingrained brand loyalty and things like that. So CF Moto at that point had not yet built up enough customer and or dealer loyalty to kind of push into that kind of finicky motorcycle market. So in the background during COVID, during pandemic, they've been kind of working on that. They did launch motorcycles in other areas of the of the world, Europe and things like that, Australia, and they've had some success there. Obviously, Europe is a big motorcycle market as well. And, you know, it took a little bit more time to study what the U.S. market looked like, what the model, you know, success would, would need to be and things like that. And then so we've kind of landed on the lineup that you and all your colleagues, wherever 
everybody was able to enjoy this week, or sorry, the past week in Minnesota at the test track. Absolutely. Like I said, last week, I got to ride all seven of the current 2022 models that CF Moto has available. We'll kind of go through them in sequence. I could just say, you know, right now there, there's the range sort of runs from a, you know, 126cc mini bike up to 700cc um, sort of cafe sport bikes. And so you're basically running from the small displacement to mid displacement range. And it's a pretty full lineup, like I said, seven models overall. So these bikes you had mentioned have been uh, launched and sold already in some other places like Europe and Australia. So how long have some of these bikes been available in other markets? Uh, at this point, let's say it's probably been close to 18 months, uh, give or take, somewhere in that realm. And, you know, I think uh, it's a good to kind of then we can get some feedback, you know, kind of what's working and what's not. You know, And I think obviously the European markets very heavily, you know, kind of sport that kind of base. So I think, you know, we've they've kind of it's a very similar market. And I think a lot of times Europe, you know, can be ahead of the U.S. kind of trends and things like that with two wheels. So that's kind of how it works sometimes. So, yeah, that's kind of why we landed on the bikes that we did. Well, also know that European market as much utilitarian as, as recreational. There's a lot of people that live in cities that uh, there's motorcycles and scooters everywhere and, you know, in, in crowded urban places. The U.S. market, of course, a little bit different. We're a little bit more spread out. We have some crowded urban cities, but, you know, there's, it's definitely much more of a recreational market, people riding on the weekends and having fun. So... So you mentioned uh, CF Moto's dealer network. Can you give us an idea about how many dealers you guys have and how many of them would be motorcycle dealers going forward? Yeah, for overall dealers, we, uh, we're creeping up on 600 total dealers in the U.S. And just kind of to step back on the motorcycles, we, we kind of had a target. We announced motorcycles at our dealer meeting in October. We okay. announced the lineup and we also to them, we announced kind of our plan at that point. You know, with motorcycles, not everybody can sell motorcycles. You know, there's a lot of guys that can sell four-wheel motorcycles. It's a little bit more difficult depending on geography and kind of background and things like that. So our target at the end of uh, year one was 150 dealers. U.S. motorcycle dealers that, and we would obviously, they're also CF Moto dealers for four wheel right now. So, and then we had a target uh, after that of the, the second year of 250. So we're kind of progressing. We're taking our time. We want to make sure that, you know, we, if we can't, you know, depending upon supply and things like that, depending on how we look at the different markets, we want to make sure we take our time and ease into the market, kind of a slow burn with motorcycles being as finicky as it is and things like that. So, you know, we, we figure by the end of uh, this year, we'll be close to 300 dealers for us and right now it's more of a we're trying to be very selective on how we approach the market and the dealer network sure sure now the 2022 models you said you announced them in october of 2021 at your annual dealer meeting so are some of these motorcycles currently available at some of your dealers when did availability start yeah, availability started in April. You know, we were shooting for earlier than that. Obviously, most places spring riding season uh, starts a little bit earlier. We we kind of I don't want to say missed the mark, but you know, with COVID and shipping situations, logistics, you know, we did come in a little bit late, but still April was a pretty good timing. It was close to what we wanted to be. So yes, at all of our dealers right now, all these models are available. We have retail. Retail has been very strong, so we are retailing through some stuff, and we are actually in the process of replenishing uh, our dealers at this point. We're also in the process of providing units to our kind of our second wave of dealers that we're setting up in the U.S. right now. Sure. Well, I know during the pandemic, I mean, that has created a lot of disruptions in a lot of ways, but I know a lot of motorcycle dealerships have had the good fortune of sort of selling out their inventory, but then at the same time, they have the challenges of people that want to come in and, and buy or order bikes that they may not be available. And I know that the used market's really strong. So 
Well, let's let's get into the bikes. Like I said, uh, you know, I had a chance to ride all seven of these bikes. I rode an eighth bike that we can't talk about until later, but the, the seven bikes. So we'll kind of start kind of from smallest to largest. So the Papio is a 126cc air-cooled single mini bike. It retails for $29.99. That is a bike that sort of would compete with something like the Honda Gram, the Kawasaki Z125 Pro. So these are very popular bikes that are street legal. You know, they're affordable. You know, you call them play bike in, in some ways, but they're great little knock around machines. I think one of the unique things about the Papio is that it has a six-speed transmission. I know the Gram used to have a four-speed. They just went to a five speed. So when I got a chance to ride it, even though I'm over 200 pounds and look pretty big on a bike like that, I was able to get up to I think 62 miles per hour on the test track. Yeah. You, uh, I thought you looked pretty good. Actually, you look pretty <laughs> smooth. You look pretty smooth riding around there. So with the Papio and that small kind of little street fighter bike, you know, that's become so popular over the last, let's call it cheeses must be 10 years now, I guess, close to that. Now with the Grom and the Kawasaki after that, you know, I think we kind of targeted that into that category, you know, obviously everything's uh, you know kind of in there as a price point and then you kind of take what you have and style it in your own direction obviously there's grom gangs all over southern california when i used to live there there's 50 guys riding around and, and cowie's done the same thing and they've kind of been battling back and forth with sales and we kind of just saw that as an opportunity you know you try not to copy anybody but at the same time there's a measure of success that you kind of have to look at and say okay there, there's a market for this and you know that price point between three and four with those guys and especially you know with gas price in cities like you kind of, you know, Southern California, it's kind of, it's all jammed up down there and there's traffic everywhere in a lot of other cities too. It's just, it's a nice little, you know, inexpensive way of getting around. Plus you can customize it and things like that. So, and you know, we kind of, if you're going to do something, we try to make sure we do the ride without compromises, our slogan. So, okay, you look at theirs, everybody's got a five speed. So, okay, let's put a six speed in it. And okay, is that overkill on something a little small like that maybe, but you know what, hey, it's, we can stand on that and say, hey, we got a six speed. So it's just a, you know what, maybe give off of the customers just a little bit different styling, a little bit different colors. There's wild colors in that group, but just, you know, we kind of, we felt that there was an opportunity and from a retail standpoint, it's kind of, you know, we were a little bit late on delivery of Papio to the dealers, but it's just exploded with retail. So it's obviously, it seems like it's a good price point for us. And we're very close on price to, to the Japanese guys in that, but um, we, we feel like, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a huge gap there. So right. uh, it, it's been successful. Well, I know for most of your lineup, you know, the prices are very competitive there, you know, there may be competitive models from some of the Japanese manufacturers, you know, that you guys typically are more affordable than those bikes. So in the case of the Papio, I think you're, you know, I think the Grom might, I don't know the retail price off the top of my head, but I think it's probably closer to four grand. So you guys are, are, are quite a bit lower than theirs. The interesting thing about the six speed is when I last tested a Grom, I just had this kooky idea of doing a small bore saddle sore. So basically trying to ride a thousand miles in 24 hours on one of these little bikes. Now, again, as big as I am on that bike, I'm a lot of wind resistance and weight, but even with the five speed on the Grom top speed is I didn't think the math would work for me. So like in literally being able to ride a consistent speed, because on a small bike like that, 125 CC, they're not legal on freeways, at least not here in California. So to be able to ride you know, a route is, you know, pretty much full 24 hours and average the speed. I think you have to average 42 miles an hour, if I'm not mistaken, for a solid 24 hours. So since you're going to have stops, you're going to have refueling, a few things like that, your average moving speed's got to be 55 or so. And I didn't think I could make it work with a Grom, but with a six speed on the Papio, 
I was able to get my hands on ones, maybe do a little bit of math. I might see if that's a possibility, but uh, that'd be one heck of an endurance test. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 uh, you, I read that you were talking about doing that. And I think uh, you might have to get out of Southern California. I don't know if you could average 55 miles an hour around Southern California. <laughs> yeah, I, I would really have to start away from like go inland where there are some of the state uh, highways that are not freeways, yeah. you know, yeah. and where they're kind of, you know, basically in the Mojave Desert or something like that, where it's wide open spaces, don't have much traffic don't have many reasons to stop. And so routing is a challenge. That's part of the deal. It's like not only what, yeah, it would be physically challenging to do the whole 24 hours, but to figure out it's it's a routing challenge. Because if you can, I mean, the one time I did a saddle sore before I did it on a BMW 800 and I just basically rode the I-5 almost the whole way. And that was easy because it was a big enough bike, had a big tank and all that stuff. So part of it is a small gas tank, small displacement, small average speed, you know, not being able to be on the freeway. So creates a bit of a challenge. I can't wait for you to try this. If we can get this logistically figured out, I, I'm excited. I want to, maybe we need to get some guys out there to get some shots of you and do some yeah. stuff too. I, I think we need to make this into a 24 hour event. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, let, let's talk about it. Cause it's, it's one of those harebrained ideas that I, if I wouldn't want to do it, if I, if I couldn't pull it off, I think yeah. I can probably endure 24 hours of, of whatever I've got to endure. It's just knowing that mathematically with like the gearing and so forth, Certainly, if I were to put a lighter rider on the bike, uh, you know, and subject them to the torture, it might be a little bit easier. But I figure if it's my idea, I should sort of be the one that has to bear the 24 hours of <laughs> endurance. Yeah, of what fun is that if you put somebody else? I on? know, I know, exactly, exactly. So the so the Papio 126 um, CCs, we move up to the next two models. You've got two 300s. There's the 300 NK, which is the naked bike, and then you've got the 300 SS, which is a sport bike with a full fairing. They're both powered by a 292 CC liquid cool dual overhead can single the 300 nk naked bike retails for 39.99 and the 300 ss is 42.99 again rode both of these bikes uh again i'm a little bit at six foot and over 200 pounds i'm a little bit large for those bikes myself but they, they fit in terms of I didn't feel cramped necessarily. It's just that the amount of power that they produce is for somebody my size. It's, you know, it's sort of like dragging a trailer or something, but narrow bikes, very easy to handle. Again, in terms of some of the features that you wouldn't expect to see on, on bikes in the 300 range, standard ABS, LED lighting. You guys have a TFT display. There's even Bluetooth connectivity with your CF Moto app. And then their six speed transmission has a slip and assist clutch. So again, these bikes are really aimed at, at sort of maybe an entry level rider or somebody who wants a, you know, a light, very fuel efficient commuter bike. So yeah, tell us a little bit about the 300s. Yeah. So with the 300s kind of, you know, back to the development process and, you know, kind of learning what you can from the industry and, you know, ABS is huge in that category because MSF, you know, everybody goes through MSF now at this point and MSF is a very big advocate of ABS on bikes and sure it makes sense. You run off the road into gravel or you get wet or whatever ABS is sure you need to have that. So especially in that entry level bike gives that entry level consumer that confidence to kind of get over the hump of, you know, riding, being a new rider and things like that. So, and then, kind of back to the ride without compromise thing again, you know, the slipper clutch, you know, that's kind of one of those things that's like, okay, most people don't understand what a slipper clutch does and kind of the intricacies of how that helps you ride coming into turns, stopping and so forth. So, you know, and that also kind of is a, the 300 can kind of morph into race bikes and things like that. So that's kind of, you know, where all that 
kind of leads to, and then the, the meat of the market, obviously there's so much volume in that 300 category, you know, Kawasaki, obviously they moved up to a 400, you know, the Yamaha R3 is in there and, and things like that, CBR 300. So there's just a lot of sales in that market. And also that consumer is usually, you know, price conscious, obviously they don't want to spend, you know, they're kind of new to the market or whatever. They don't want to spend $10,000 on a motorcycle. So that's kind of where this comes in at. And, you know, studying the market again, uh, and we kind of took, this is a little bit different and I'll talk about this with kind of each bike we go through. I don't want to go over too many times, but everything we have other than the Papio comes with two-year factory warranties. So every other manufacturer, you know, provided there's some, uh, obviously some European guys that come with extended warranties, but most of the, you know, the Japanese are all one-year warranty, unlimited miles. So we're two-year uh, unlimited miles. So that's back to kind of, we wanted to give the motorcycle, U.S. motorcycle consumer just a little bit more peace of mind to try a different brand. So that's kind of all these things kind of fold up into that 300 as to, you know, why we came in with those. Plus, I think we kind of offer, and it's kind of, you know, unique in that market is styling and color. You know, we have a little bit different color scheme. We're not the, the greens and the reds and the blues. So a little bit different in the SS has been super popular. So as the NK, they're our top sellers right now. So just, I think people in that bracket are a little bit, uh, maybe not uh, so brand loyal and willing to kind of take on to try something different. Well, and the interesting thing about these smaller bikes, especially, you know, a naked bike, which, you know, uh, doesn't have the fairing. Some people are concerned about having fairing plastic that, you know, if they do have a mistake and hey, if you're going to, if you're a new rider, if you're going to make a mistake, that's when you're likely going to make it in your first couple of years. But other people like the, some people like this, the sporty look of having a full fairing. And in that category, I know that, you know, in years past, like the, the bikes were, the styling was, was a little bit sort of lame or pedestrian, whereas the, the bigger 600 sport bikes and thousand CC sport bikes had the cool aggressive styling. And I know that in recent years, these smaller sport bikes have the aggressive styling that people want if they're not yet ready, either because of their budget or their skill level to move up to a 600 or something like that. So they don't feel like they're getting kind of gypped on cool styling, the aggressive styling in that 300 category. I agree with you 100% that the ABS is absolutely a huge plus for motorcycles in this category where, hey, this the, the brakes and the power may not be, you know, as, as, as strong or as powerful as you would think of with larger bikes, but man, anybody can make a mistake at any time. You know, if you're a new rider, somebody pulls out in front of you, you mentioned gravel, you mentioned, uh, you know, wet roads or something is, uh, yeah, if you can learn to ride and get stopped in an emergency before ABS kicks in, that's great, but not everybody has that luxury. And in the moment, things can be really intense. So, so that is, uh, ABS is a huge plus on any motorcycle so that you've got it from your 300s on up. And then the slipper clutch, I mean, like you said, aggressive downshifts may not be something that some newer riders are doing, but sometimes you make a mistake, you stomp on that shift lever without knowing it, or, um, and then with the, the assist component, you know, it just makes it for a nice light clutch pull and people can get used to all of the coordination that's involved again, if they're, they're newer riders. But honestly, I know people that have been riders for 20, 30 years that buy smaller bikes like these. They make great commuters. They make great knock around bikes. You're like, Hey, I just don't want a big heavy bike. I just want to go out and play around and have some fun. And so, yeah, for, you know, for, and we were at the track and I, you know, of all the bikes I rode um, on the track, I would say my favorite, uh, I didn't get to ride the SS, but the NK was definitely, you can just have a lot of fun with it. You know, yeah. I know you rode it and it's just, you know, again, the power and the things like that, but it's just a fun bike to ride around, you know, and it's just, you can kind of do what you want with it. And it's, you know, it, from an enjoyment, just a pure fun factor. It's, it's just a blast, you know, it's kind of one of those bikes. Well, and like you said, if you're an experienced rider, a bike like this is great. It's easy to find what its limits are and it's not going to bite you, you know, whereas you don't have to be, motorcycles don't have to be very large before they have capable or a performance envelope that might exceed, you know, 
somebody's skill level or it just doesn't leave much margin for error for a bike like this. You know, there's that saying if like it's it's more fun to ride a slow bike fast than a fast bike slow, you know, a lower power bike, a lighter power bike to really get out there and just know that, you know, hey, 45 miles an hour feels like, you know, 85 on some other bike, you know, it's like you're, you're well within the speed limit, you're well within your skill level, and it can, like I said, be a lot of fun. You're just well, and you're involved in the bike. And yeah. That's what makes it fun. You're very involved <laughs> in the riding and that you just feel like you're part of the bike, whereas on a, on a bigger bike, sometimes you can feel like you're being taken for a ride, not the other, not the other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, moving up, we have two models powered by a 649cc liquid cool dual overhead cam parallel twin. It's the 650NK naked bike. So it'd be kind of the big brother of the 300NK. That retails for $64.99. And then there's the 650 ADV Ventura or Adventura. Uh, it has the ADV capitalized like ADV bikes. That's a street style adventure bike, which retails for $67.99. Again, you know, these bikes have some of the same features that the 300s do, standard ABS, LED lighting, TFT display with Bluetooth connectivity to the CFMoto app. These bikes have the J Yuan uh, disc brakes. Is that how you pronounce that? J Yuan. J Yuan disc brakes. Pirelli Angel G GT sport touring tires. Those are great tires. Again, a six speed transmission with a slip and assist clutch. Now, uh, again, the 650NK is the naked bike, but the AD Ventura, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> I say 650 ADV, but in, in, internally at 650 Adventura. Adventura. Okay. Now, that again, being a street style adventure bike, it comes standard with shad side cases uh, that are lockable and removable. And it also has an adjustable windscreen. So these are the bikes that sort of my size, uh, they sort of fit me. I love middleweight motorcycles. So the 650 naked bike, there was a, we were on a closed test track uh, for testing all these motorcycles. It wasn't a racetrack. It was more of a, a training facility. So it was, we, we were dealing with tar snakes and, and sort of, you know, rough pavement in some places. We even dealt with some wet pavement after a thunderstorm came through. There was a tight infield course where we could really get some tight maneuvering experience. But these bikes also were very fun to ride, very manageable in their power delivery, very smooth. So yeah, tell us about the, the 650 bikes. Yeah. So the 650 engine has been around the longest at CF Moto. It's been tried and tested for a long time at CF Moto and in various things. So that's the one that we've had for a while. You know, we've kind of back to the research, you kind of look at, you know, the, the success in those categories with naked MT-07, MT-09, all the, you know, things like that and kind of say, okay, this is this is a very successful piece right here. So the 650, and again, you want to make the, the naked bike have some bright colors. It's got bright color wheels and, you know, things like that. So, and you know, you want to, we were, we, we spent a lot of time just, you know, with the NK, with the KYB front and rear. So the suspension's good. It's adjustable and things like that for that little kind of next step in rider evolution from the 300. And then to the ADV, I actually have that bike myself right now. And I know that you personally spent uh, some some miles on one of our ADVs. So it'd be good to hear a little bit of, from your feedback too. But I have that 650 ADV. I've put a couple hundred miles on it. Um, you know, I, the, the ergonomics for me are, are really, I, I like that type of bike. Uh, I own several Tracer GTs and things like that. So I like that kind of bike. I like that, that ergonomics, that seating position. You know, I messed around with the bags a little bit. I was blown away by the ease of the bags. Sometimes bags can be kind of intimidating, getting them on, getting them off. Things like this is probably one of the easiest bags that I've been able to use. So, um, and we're also, so two, they uh, we will offer or offering a top 
case for that as well. Um, I think we had one there at the, at the event um, with the rack and things like that. So all three sets of luggage. Uh, but for me, the, you know, the power is in that medium range, the seat, uh, I'm sure you can probably talk about the seat. I really like the seat and the handling of the bike, you know, kind of just the whole thing, the adjustable windscreen. So both of those are bikes that I like personally and that I've owned in several categories. So I think, you know, that 650 Adventure, you'll kind of see as we, you know, kind of go through the process over the next few years, that is kind of the uh, beginning of the start of the uh, adventure kind of um, uh, you know process and kind of what we're looking for from a future product lineup and things like that. So both those bikes kind of designed to have really nice pieces on them, really nice components, but also stay in that lower under seven price range. And that's kind of the key. We're trying to, in those bikes, we're trying to stay under seven. Right. Well, I know that uh, the, the bikes that you sold briefly in the US before were both 650. So they were powered by an earlier version of this of this engine. Yeah, I rode both bikes. I spent m- the most amount of time on the, on the adventure, you know, on the track, both of they're fun, easy to handle. But then we, after our full lineup test day, you guys gave us the key to whatever bike we wanted to spend a day with. And I was going to be in town for the next couple of days. So I rode the Adventura from Minneapolis up to Duluth, which is a couple hours North. It's about 150 miles North of Minneapolis. I went to go visit Airstitch, you know, so I was on the, the freeway the entire time on I-35. It was very smooth, very steady. There's There was a little bit of rain, a little bit of crosswind, had good wind protection because you've got a, a windscreen that is adjustable. I think it's about an inch and a half. It'll go up, but you also got some small wind deflectors on the sides, the lower edges of the windscreen, which part the wind quite nicely. The yeah, the seating position, those adventure style motorcycles where you have more of an upright seating position, you got good leg room, but not too tall. I don't recall the, the seat height uh, specifically, but it's not too tall of, of of a, of a seat height. And yeah, so it was great. I put 350 miles on it one day, got to do a little bit of twisty riding and was even on a little bit of gravel. I know it's got street tires on it, but you know, it's got APS. It was, it was a, it was a fun bike. So that of course would compete with something like a Kawasaki versus 650. And the interesting right. thing, the versus 650 LT, which comes with standard bags, I think retails for $99.99. So you guys are $67.99. You're at least a couple of grand less. And there's if you went down the spec sheet, it's they're very similar. I think the only thing that the Kawasaki has that the Adventura doesn't is traction control. But for a $2,200 price delta, that's a that's a huge, that's a huge bargain. Yeah, the, the bags are the, you know, is kind of what bumps everything up there in price. And, you know, ours comes standard with the bag. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge, you know, kind of price discrepancy there. And, you know, that's kind of where we're targeting into that market. Um, you know, I think that that customer, that ADV customer is even a little bit more finicky than the, the typical U.S., you know, kind of one step higher on, on that kind of, hey, here's one that I want in a certain bike type customer. So, you know, we try to kind of push up into that, but also knowing that we, you know, with brand recognition being lower, obviously on motorcycle side, than let's say a Cowie or a Ducati or things like that. We also needed to make sure that our price was very price sensitive to that customer, you know, wanting to get in with that commuter bike, you know, a little right. less, maybe enthusiast, a little more commuter, you know, price conscious and things like that. So that's kind of where we ended with the price on the, those bikes. Well, yeah. I mean, with the saddlebags, that it adds its, you know, its versatility and touring capability. I know for some people are commuters, at least in California, because we can lane split. A lot of times people will put on the top trunk and take the saddlebags off. So you're a little bit narrower, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, you know, it's, 
649 cc so that's a great fuel efficient bike it's got the power people need to be in you know regular uh, commuting traffic or you know or it can go uh, at whatever speed you're comfortable with but at the same time it's not uh, going to eat up gas right now gas prices are high everywhere so fuel efficiency is is going to be a, a bigger factor in people's purchase decisions than maybe it was a year or two ago yeah we feel this the especially with the 650 lineup both those the nk and the adv adv with the bags and things like that and like you kind of mentioned the trunk we we feel like the commuter is definitely going to be one of our uh, highest take rates on the customers with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Chris, the last two models in the 2022 lineup that we've got a chance to ride last week, got the 700 CLX, which retails for $64.99 and the 700 CLX Sport, which retails for $69.99. Both of them are powered by a 693cc liquid-cooled dual overhead cam parallel twin. These are the higher-end bikes compared to the others in terms of they make more power, but they've also, these bikes have throttle by wire with uh, both eco and sport modes. They have standard cruise control. Like the other bikes, they've got standard ABS, LED lighting, TFT display. In terms of suspension, both of them have KYB suspension with fully adjustable fork, preload and rebound adjustable shock. Um, There's some specification difference on the CLX X and then the Sport. The uh, standard bike has the J1 disc brakes with Pirelli Moto, uh, excuse me, MT60 semi-knobby tires. And then the Sport has the the high-end Brembo Stylema uh, monoblock front calipers and Maxxis Supermax ST tires. Both of these bikes, like the others, have a six-speed transmission with slip and slitch cost. So these are the fun bikes. These are the bikes that, you know, we were on this test track and you guys like, hey, this isn't a race. You know, we're here to just get a, a test ride. But as you know, you get... You know, one bike is a ride, two bikes is a race, and we were chasing each other around the track on those bikes uh, as much as we could. They were an absolute blast. Yeah, we uh, we we men- always mention that this isn't a race, but I, I'm pretty sure that I saw several of you guys racing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard not to be competitive on a track like that. So uh, no, these are uh, well, you know, kind of what we would consider flagship models for, and this is kind of you know, uh, CF Moto's kind of just launch into those flagship models. You know, where it's not really. Uh, similar trend or anything like that. Okay. Where do you categorize these things? And, you know, so starting with the CLX, you know, we call that a Neo retro scrambler. And, you know, kind of when I started to listen to what they were talking about, you know, the Japanese slash Asian success with scrambler bikes has been very, very limited. Um, you know, it doesn't have the same flair that a Ducati or a European bike does or Triumph or things like that. So I was a little bit kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say concerned, but just kind of wondering where that market was going and, you know, got to spend some time on the bike seen it in person kind of watching retail right now and I've been uh, I don't want to say proven wrong but I've been pleasantly surprised about how that bike kind of has you know kind of taken off and so in, in regards you know it's kind of that okay it's it doesn't look quite like a normal you know MT or Kawasaki or Honda it kind of has this different look to it it kind of looks like a Ducati but it kind of doesn't has good performance so I, I know you guys got to spend some time on the track on that the tires are obviously a little bit different the sound of it has a little bit different sound so you know we're, we're kind of with that CLX kind of targeting that kind of, you know, street fighter-esque type look. And I actually have one of those bikes myself right now and got to spend some time on it with the cruise control and things like that. And it's just, I've been very pleasantly surprised about the performance and just the overall bike, the feel and how well it's put together and things like that. So the CLX has definitely been been good for us. Moving over to the Sport with the clip-ons, uh, that one actually has been very strong. I think people have just been kind of itching for something kind of not in that, you know, typical street fighter category 
category. And, you know, and they say most average people, they're like, okay, Brembo's okay. That sounds good, but they don't really, you know, there's a grasp of, okay, that's a very nice break on there and type of thing. So, you know, we, we've had that kind of push into that. Uh, this is the higher end. This is the $7,000. This is where people start to, you know, kind of, okay, what's the payment type of thing. So we've been able to have a lot of success in that area because, you know, I think a lot of our dealers, they've had, you know, they believe in the brand. And when you get a dealer to believe in the brand, they, they can sell that stuff for you. So those two flagship models have been very, very popular so far for us. Well, I mean, in this price category, I mean, it, it, you know, getting a fully adjustable KYB fork, you know, preload and uh, rebound adjustable KYB shock, very good, high quality tires, you know, high quality brakes. I mean, those are the sorts of things that sometimes people have to pay quite a bit more for to get on a bike. Yeah. Styling wise, I, I think these bikes are a lot of fun. They're just, they're, they're quite unique and an absolute hoot to ride. I spent more time on the sport. I think it just, once I got on that, did turned a couple of laps. It's got, even though it's only 500 cc's more than the 650s, man, especially in sport mode, it had a real snap to it, you know, and throttle response where it was just an absolute blast. And so, yeah, that's why some of us couldn't help but chase each other and, and <laughs> scraping some foot pegs and, and scuffing some boots and stuff. It was, they were a blast. So, you know, these are, yeah, these are bikes that, uh, you know, again, they could be commuter bikes. They could be, uh, you know, whatever they're kind of well-rounded sort of sports standards. I mean, like I said, one's got, you know, a, a tubular handlebar, one's got clip-ons, they've got different tires, somewhat different styling. So basically people can, you know, choose one bike that appeals to them more than the other. Maybe they want the, the high-end uh, Brembo brakes on the sport, uh, you know, sportier tires or something like that, but an absolute blast. They were uh, kind of really exceeded my expectations. I didn't know what to expect from them, but for from a 700, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's going to have a little bit of zip, but especially the sport, man, I was surprised at how lively that bike was. Yeah, there's a huge difference in those two um, between the eco mode and the sport mode. It really wakes up in the in the sport mode. Uh, not to say that the eco mode isn't fun too, but there's a, definitely a big gap between the two. Um, and from a standpoint of you know dealers, we've had more dealers uh, reach out to to our sales guys to get more sports of any bike that we've had right now. So to push it to our highest level, you know, highest price model that is you know having that kind of success. Um, obviously, we we feel like that's kind of our step into the next level of. Um, some bikes that we can't talk about and things like that for, for a little bit. But I think that's kind of where our, you know, we're breaking that ground for our brand um, at that $7,000 mark. And, you know, our goal isn't to sell more expensive bikes. It's just to sell stuff that we think that customers need, you know, that they want work to fill the gaps for customers. So, and everything's, you know, how things go, everything's expensive. So we're trying to just make sure that we can give a customer, our customers as, as much as we can for a really good price. And I think, you know, just those two models in general uh, have kind of proven to us that there, there's a, there's some deal and some customer loyalty out there for our product and we're pretty happy about it. Yeah, that's that's great. Like I said, you know, not just the throttle response, but the exhaust note of these bikes, they've got these really cool stubby exhausts that, yeah, the, the styling's unique and, um, you know, the thing about, you know, a lot of, of, of motorcycles in the United States is, you know, if you're a, a young buyer, maybe a motorcycle, maybe your only vehicle, but a lot of us that, you know, we've got a lot normal lives. We've, you know, out of school, we've got jobs, we've got families, you know, you've got your grocery getter, you got your pickup truck or your family car or something and a motorcycle is something that uh, might be what you ride on the weekends or you commute a little bit on. And oftentimes you have to fit that into the household budget, you know, along with everything else. So these days, everything's more expensive. So having a, 
price point on some of these motorcycles. You can get a lot of bike, not feel like you're making compromises or giving up anything, but it's a bike that you can work into your household budget. Makes a lot of sense. You know, like we want everybody in this industry wants to sell more bikes. We want more people on bikes. We want more bikes being sold. We want more helmets and jackets and everything else being sold. Uh, it's good for all of us. So, yeah, we want to make sure, you know, it's gas prices. We've all, <laughs> you can't get away from gas prices it's everywhere. <laughs> it's in the news. It's on social media. It's in your face every time you walk, drive down the street. So, you know, that's a big thing. And gas prices traditionally help motorcycle sales. You know, people can justify that. And it's, you know, you, so even if there's a, a bike, that, hey, I can get this bike and it's this much versus this bike. So, you know, that that's a huge thing for us. But you're right. You know, the, the world has kind of changed and, you know, motorcycles have kind of went through this evolution and, and the buyers have went through evolution. And I think we've kind of reached a point right now where there's a whole new group of buyers. There's that electric bike people and there's, you know, these new people that aren't so brand loyal, like people like me and like you are. I've kind of, you know, when I've been brand loyal to the different people over the years and things like that. So I think it's been a great time for us to try and just capture that new person, that new buyer, that new rider and get in at the right time. And gas prices obviously hurts four wheel business, but it's good for two wheel business. So, um, you know, uh, everybody kind of just, when you can get a hundred miles to a gallon or 50 miles to a gallon, whatever it is, it just kind of, sometimes it makes sense. And you're, you're right. You can kind of work that into a family budget a lot more easy at that point. Plus, you know, the COVID pandemic kind of helped power sports. Everybody got outdoors. So that's been a great, great for the business and things like that. And it also helped motorcycles and it seems to be continuing. So with four and for two wheels. So we're, we're excited about the possibility of, of business. Well, awesome. I, I appreciate you kind of going over the background of CF Moto and, and discussing some of these bikes. I mean, like I say, you guys are coming out with a, a pretty full lineup right out of the gate, you know, seven models. There's going to be more uh, coming down the line. So uh, I'll have a review since I got a chance to ride all seven of these bikes. I'll have a review It'll be on ridermagazine.com. It'll be in the next issue of Rider as well. It'll probably be in the September issue, I think, but an overview of all of these bikes, specs and details and some riding photos. And then I'll have a little bit more of an in-depth impression of the 650 Adventura since I got to spend a full day on that in addition to time on the track. We'll have links in the show notes to CF Moto's, you know, websites, social channels. And then uh, once my review's up, we'll make sure we have a link to that on the website. So Chris, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Greg. We uh, we really appreciate you guys coming out to the track and spending a lot of time on the bikes, giving us your, your honest opinion. And uh, I, I appreciate the time with this uh, with this interview as well. And uh, let us know when you're ready to do the Iron Butt popular <laughs> and uh we'll, we'll step up to the plate for that okay yeah that sounds great yeah that'll be awesome so like i said we'll we'll discuss see if we can get a papio and see if that thing will do a thousand miles in 24 hours so for the writer magazine podcast i'm greg drevenstead thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down thank you if you've enjoyed listening to the writer magazine insider podcast please subscribe leave us a positive rating and tell your friends we also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.